we, as we begin and, and look to the sermon, I just want to thank everybody who has already filled out their church survey. Uh, we sent that out through email and social media and on our website. Uh, if you haven't done that, uh, we ask you to, to do that over the next couple of days or throughout this week because we want to hear from you about your concerns about our reopening the church or what will be your plans when we do that just so that we can, as best as we can and as safely as we can, look to reopening. So please do that. If you, if you have difficulty getting on the Internet and, and, and filling out that survey, and again, it'll only take you about four to five minutes, but if, if, that's, if that's a difficulty for you, uh, our church staff is, is standing ready to help you with that. So if you'll call during business hours, call the church office, and they'll be ready to take your information from you. So it's going to help us uh, as we prepare. So please make sure to fill out that su uh, survey as soon as you can. For today, we're starting a new sermon series, but it's really an, it's an old series. We've already spent two years in this, and now we're going back to it again. It's the ABCs of Christianity. After Pentecost in 2017 and 2018, we asked ourselves, just what are the ABCs? What are the basics, especially after we've celebrated the saving grace of Jesus' cross and now the gifting of the Holy Spirit, having his discernment, having his power, what is it? What is it we're to be and to believe? What are, what are the basics that every Christian should be about? And so we've just taken the, each letter of the alphabet and worked through them. In 2018, we, we looked at, for letter D, now I want to read this so I get this right. I wrote this down. We started that year with this sermon that had to do with debt, debauchery, the Decalogue, meaning the Ten Commandments, discipline, drunkenness, discernment, and dissension. All of that packed into just one sermon. And here's the deal. You didn't fire me. You, you people are much too nice. And then the next week, we looked at eyes and ears. And that is, that is a, critical, a critical thing to remember. What goes in our ears? What goes before our eyes? And as believers, we have to check that all the time. Then we looked at friendship. That's something we can maybe look at every week. And then when we got to the letter G, we talked about gospel and grace. What do we believe about the gospel? What, what, it's the center of our faith. What is grace? And then lastly, when we got to the letter H, we talked about something that happens from the very first pages of Scripture and sadly uh, continues to happen today, and that's hiding. We tend to hide from God and from each other and sometimes even from ourselves all too well. Well, today we're on the letter I. There's many I's that we could uh, pick from. We, I, the first one that came to mind was idolatry. It really is the number one topic of all of Scripture uh, and some of what we're going to look at today will actually play out, and it's the reason we can't have idols. But what we're going to settle on for today, just here's a basic question. And it, listen, I'll, even though it's basic, I'll confess to you, this is a difficult question. It's a very theological question, but it's a critical question for every believer. It's from the very beginning of Scripture all the way through. What does it mean for us to be made in the image of God. What are the implications of that for us? And so that's, that's what we're going to look at uh, this morning. And then actually, we're going to continue that on Wednesday night. Because to really dive into the theology and the scripture, it's going to take some really nerdy 
Bible study and theological discussion. We're going to try to save much of that for Wednesday, so I hope you'll be with us. It's going to, like I said, it'll be a, it'll be a dry discussion, but my hope would be it'd be a very fruitful and helpful discussion on Wednesday, so come back for that. But I just want to hit two critical reminders that we see in Genesis 1, but also, and I know, I know I've preached on John 21 before. When I first got here, I think the very first sermon series I preached was called Confessions of a Pastor. And we looked at John 21 and we talked about, I can, maybe you can, feel inadequate at times. And you see that in Peter's life, what his feelings of inadequacy keep him from the kingdom work, the restorative work that Jesus was wanting to do and what he offered to Peter in John chapter 21, but also... And Peter, as a good Jew, should have gotten this. If he could have rested in who he was as, as a person made in the very image of God, not just for himself and rested in that encouragement, but if he would allow that to affect how he viewed others, so much more could have been done in and through him. As a wonderful saint he was, did he fully get at that moment what it meant to be made in the image and that others are made in that image. And listen, image is everything. Four years ago, when we, we looked at setting up a Facebook page and a Facebook group for our church, we realized and were taught the importance of image. Image is everything for Facebook. Not just the image you put out there, but if you want anybody to hear what you're saying, you have to put an image with it. If you just put a text out, people aren't going to respond, and Facebook won't push it. But if you attach a picture, it's, it's exponential. What, what, what the level of push will be from Facebook. And if you add a video, it's through the roof. Image is everything. It's so much everything for Facebook that they won't even allow you to put too much text. They'll, they'll, they'll drop your ad if you put too much text in the image because it's all about image. Our image from God is everything for us. It may be difficult. It may be very theological. But we don't want to miss the basic truths, and we'll just get to the basics of it uh, today. But what, what is it to be made in his image? And it matters not just for us, but it's going to matter in terms of how we value and see others as well. From school shootings to the horror of sex trafficking to devaluing human life because of their race, or because maybe a child is unwanted. We have to recover what it means to be made in the image of God. So what, so what does the Bible say? From the very first verses, what does the Bible say about who you are? Have you ever heard of Peter Weber? I, I was not familiar with Peter Weber. He's a professional bowler, and my children showed me a video of him recently, where he had won in the last frame of a, apparently a very important championship match. He had won that match and that championship on his last throw. And after he had won on that last throw, he, he gets ecstatic and he exclaims, and I, I want to get this right. Here's what he says. I never thought, are you kidding me? That's right. Who do you think you are? I am. I have no clue what that means. I'm not sure Peter Weber knew what that means, but that phrase, who do you think you are? That's a phrase that's gifted to us 
in Genesis 1. Now, we're going to keep looking at, Je- at John 21 as a backdrop because right before that post-resurrection breakfast scene in John 21, you get to verse 12, and the disciples are very, uh, very clued in. We know who Jesus is. They don't have to ask who he is. They know who he is. Do we know who we are as people made in the very image of God? What does that mean for us? What does that mean for others? And here's my fear, for me and for you, that we don't look to Genesis 1 for that encouragement or for that trajectory about who we are and who we are to be. Instead, we look to Genesis 3. We look to that story when humanity fell, and from that moment on, still to this day, that image of God in us is bent. It's broken. It's marred. And that is completely true. That's completely true. You can't miss that. But I'm afraid we too easily surrender to Genesis 3 after the cross and after the resurrection. We surrender to that after Pentecost Sunday. One of my favorite lines from one of my favorite Christian singers would say this, you are more than you think you are. In terms of your value, but also in terms of who you are as people made in the image of God. Now again, that doesn't mean we can muster up uh, enough goodness to be saved. That, that, we talked about that two years ago in that ABC sermon about gospel and grace. We need the grace of Jesus Christ. We are all sinners. All have fallen short of the glory of God. But you have been made in the very image of God. So let's look at, look at some of those verses. We find it here in Genesis 1, 26 and 27. Let us make man in our image. But then you find it again in Genesis 5 and in Genesis 9. Anytime you see the God repeating something, we want to take note of that. So already three times in nine chapters, you have God saying... You're made in my image. You're made in my likeness. You're made in my image. And then when you get to the New Testament, you get that same kind of talk, whether it's Colossians 3.10, which sounds a whole lot like Ephesians 4.24. Put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Jesus is half-brother. And talking not just about our image, but the importance of the image of, of others, says in James 3.9, How can anyone curse men who have been made in the image of God? And there's really two words here that help us understand what that is. So just for basic definitions, we'll do more of the theological study on Wednesday night. But just for some basics, there's a Hebrew word, I'm not sure exactly how to pronounce it, but salem. And that's what you see here in Genesis 1 and also later in Genesis 9. It means like the original, like a representation. You are like God, like a representation of God, but then we get in chapter 5 and in other places another word that doesn't mean representation, it means reflection. You're in the likeness of God. It's a great counterbalance so we don't overstep. It kind of of qualifies the first definition. Representation, eh, yeah, but really a reflection of God, that God has put his imprint on us Meaning not only are you made in his image, and we'll talk about all that that means for us on Wednesday night, but also it says something of your great value to God. As you go through this creation story in Genesis 1, he doesn't value or place that on anyone else. You get to chapter 2, he doesn't breathe the breath of life into anyone else. What does it mean to be made in his image, and what does it mean about our value? 
because we've been made in his image. I've been told that, that on every ride, whether it's Disneyland or Disney World, you can find the image of Mickey Mouse on every ride. Good luck, I guess, finding that on Space Mountain. It's all in the dark. But that's my understanding that there's, there's that image everywhere. Everything's been imprinted with his image. We're told that computer programmers, when they make chips many times, and I don't know how they do this, but they will put an image or their signature on those chips, imprinting themselves their image on their chips. One of the very first video games I ever played as a child uh, was on the Atari 2600. Students, you're going to have to look that up on Google. But the Atari 2600 had this game called Adventure, and it had the very first Easter egg in all the video games. If you found this little dot in that game and took it to a certain room with some other items, you could walk through the wall and you could find the name of the person who made that game. He had put his imprint, his name, his image on that game. God's image is in you. Now, is it marred? Yeah, sure. Genesis 3 is true. Genesis 3 is true. But listen. There are implications then for us if we are made in God's image. For not only that we were made in his image, but for what can be because of Christ's great grace and power through his cross and resurrection. Because of the Spirit's work in our discernment and in empowering us to live lives that are holy and so we'll talk more about that on Wednesday, but just quickly, two little things, just as a reminder to us, that's why we don't have any other images before God. He's put his image on us. And you may say, preacher, I, I haven't carved out an idol and bowed down to an idol ever in my life. Anytime we try to fit God into a box, we're trying to make God into our own image. Peter tried that before at Caesarea Philippi, and I think there's some hints of that here in John 21 when he asks about John. He's trying to fit God, trying to fit Jesus into his box, and God will never fit into our boxes. It is a real struggle, not for idol making, but in terms of trying to force God into our image. That's an everyday struggle. And the Ten Commandments and elsewhere is clear. You shall not have an, another image before God. It's his image implanted upon us. But also, again, coming back to this importance of worth and value. Peter really could have kicked himself here. He's denied Jesus Christ. And we said it last Wednesday night in Bible study. In Luke's gospel, we're told that at, after one of his denials, Jesus turns and looks at him catches his eye. Can you imagine the brokenness of Jesus after pridefully saying, I'll never deny you, and then doing it to his face. And now you find Peter, what's he doing? He's gone back to fishing. He doesn't carry on the ministry of Jesus. He doesn't say, well, let's go to the streets of Jerusalem, and we're going to make sure to continue to talk about Jesus. He's off doing his own thing, and God still shows up. He's still of value the same thing that happened in Abraham's life. Before, there's, before, before he goes out and ventures out, God meets him. Even in Jesus' life, even though Jesus was perfect, before any public ministry, before any public teaching or healing, God shows up at the baptism and says, I am pleased with you. He speaks throughout Scripture of our worth because we are made in His image. Can you rest in that? 
If you don't rest in that, that God, and again, I'm quoting, going to quote two of the most basic uh, Christian songs during this ABC sermon. Jesus loves me. This I know. I pray you know that. Because if you don't know that, if you don't know how special and loved you are by God, so much so that he made you in his own image, if you don't do that, you're going to find that love. You're going to go out and you're going to try to find that worth and value. And you're going to squeeze the life out of some people for that. You're going to squeeze the life out of this world and things for that. Or you're going to beat yourself up for that. There are implications for this reminder. You're made in the image of a God. You don't have to be who you were. And we'll talk about that Wednesday night too, that implication, a third one too. We can make real real decisions now because we're being remade in his image. Your past, your family, your DNA, who you were, you don't have to be that anymore. You've got to cooperate with his grace, but being remade in his image is what God intends to do. But it's not just remember who you are. You're made in his image. Remember you're of value to him and also that he wants to remake you. But we bump into Genesis 1 and also when we see it play out in John 21, there's a reminder too, it's not just you who, who is made in the image of God. It's others. It's not just how we view ourselves, but it's how we view and value others. When Jesus restores Peter to ministry, and that's really what Bible scholars say, Jesus is, as Peter's denied three times, Jesus is now restoring him three times, but also restoring him to ministry. And what's his focus? Yes, do you love me, but what's the response? I need you to tend the sheep. It's outward. It's others. Uh, and you see that. And then it, it's, Peter's going to wrestle with it here because as soon as he tells Peter, right after that, it's about others, As soon as he tells him that, then he tells Peter, listen, you're going to be led one day to a place where you don't want to go, meaning you're going to be martyred, you're going to die. And Peter's response to that, what about this guy? What about John? What's going to happen to him? He's still wrestling with that. Maybe he's allowing God to speak and forgive him in his life, but it hasn't hasn't fully changed his view and the precious nature of everybody, the value, infinite value of everyone to the Father and to Jesus. And you see it later spelled out in Acts 10 when he's still wrestling with and elsewhere with with Gentiles and how we treat them. So in Peter's life, uh, one who's been so beautifully graced by the restorative work of Jesus Christ, but this issue throughout his life before the cross, but even after the cross, dealing with Samaritans or centurions or weirdos from the coast of Caesarea, Peter has some growing to do in how he values others who were made in the image of God. Every person is a Genesis 1 person. Every person, as we said in our responsive scripture reading today, has been wonderfully, carefully knit together in their mother's womb. And that understanding of the image of God not only has implications for us, but has implications for everyone, especially for the church and how we view issues about sanctity of life how we view race relations, how we will not use others for sexual gratification, issues about poverty or how we do business dealings, uh, how we treat people of other faiths, how we view gossip, the issue of euthanasia, how we deal with people who do not agree with us theologically. Again, that great 
basic song of the faith that reminds us, not only does Jesus love me, but the other song says that we all know very well. They are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Jesus says to Peter, you tend to them. And then he also says, we didn't get to the verses, what's it to you what I want to do with John? How can you not see him as I see him? So as we come to close today, how do you need to hear and respond to this word? You are made in the image of God. Do you know your value and worth to him? It's, it's just on Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. Oh, the goodness and love of God that he would gift that to us. But also, are we open to, not resigning ourselves to Genesis 3, but because of the gift that was given to us in Jesus' cross and resurrection, because of the empowering of the Holy Spirit, am I going to let him remake my image? Well, I expect that. Am I living like that? Am I hoping for that? Or am I resigning myself to a Genesis 3 life? And then also, how does that help us in how we view and treat others? Peter, even after the cross and even after Pentecost, still struggled with that. How does that view, the image of God in all, translate into our life with others? Anybody remember Evil Knievel? Evil Knievel was a, a motorcycle jumper in the 1970s. So if, you, if you're too young to remember that, he did what uh, Napoleon Dynamite would say in his movie. He did some sweet jumps. He did sweet jumps over buses. He did sweet jumps over a fountain in Vegas. Uh, evil was a, a rough person, we're told. Do you know that God just swooped down at the end of his life and saved him. I don't know if it was out of fear that people wouldn't give evil the gospel because how rough he was, but, but God didn't let that stop him. He just swooped down at evil's house, and we'll talk about that on Wednesday, the prevenient grace of God, that grace that goes before. He just dropped on evil at his home and called him to himself, and evil responded to that. That's a, that's a First off, I would, say, I would say it's pretty neat knowing that evil's going to be in glory, right? He's finally going to make that Snake River jump, and hopefully in glory, sorry mom and dad, I'll finally get the evil Knievel toy uh, when I'm in glory finally uh, there. But let's be honest. Evil was full of himself. If you watch those interviews or you watched interviews later, evil was full of himself. And if he had not done sweet jumps, but he was just a person living here in Madison, what might you and I be tempted to think about him? What might you and I be tempted to do in terms of how we treated him, this sorry, cussing, full, full of himself bum, right? That's the challenge that's given to Peter. Once you and I know that we're made in his image, Christ always turns us out and says, what about my flocks? What about those who do not know? How will you reach them? And when the Spirit comes in Pentecost too, he it's, it's incredible the way the Spirit immediately turns the, the disciples and the early church to places they would never think about going. Why? Because the Father loves them. Because Jesus loves 
them. Who is of value to the Father? Who is precious in the sight of Jesus? Praise God that he has valued us and loved us so that he's made us in his image. Praise God he's not through with us. That his spirit will continue to apply the grace and the benefits of Christ. That he can remake that image in us. I don't have to be who I was. I'm not bound to that anymore. I'm not bound to Genesis 3. Praise God that he lifts our eyes off of ourselves and puts them on others. Do you see how precious they are to me? Let's pray about that. Father, we thank you for this, your word. For what it says about who we are in you. We know we've fallen. We know that, as Paul says in Romans, our flesh is bent towards sin. As we're, we see in Genesis 3 that the image of God was broken. But we thank you that Christ came and died. Not only that we can have life with you someday, but that we can have life now. To be remade in your image now. Encourage us and help us to know if we're kicking ourselves or if we're trying to squeeze the life out of somebody else to find that value. Help us to repent of that. Help us to find our peace and our life and our worth in you. The cross points to how much we are loved and valued by you, that you would send your only begotten son for us. Father, continue to grow um, how we view others. Give us a deep compassion as your son had deep compassion for those who were lost. As your early church was broken for those who were not like themselves. Give us your vision for what it means that, that they are created in the image of God. Bless now our response to this, your word. And it's in your son's name that we pray. Amen.